All right, well, hey, I, I'm, I'm really glad to see you all this morning. Uh, this morning, uh, we have a guest speaker. Why don't you come on up, sir? Come on up. This is Terrell Haygood. So he um, works uh, with a ministry that we're friends with, uh, Elias, um, but he's starting a new ministry uh, called Reach that is working with students in the juvenile uh, detention center. And so he's going to be bringing the word for us this morning and also telling us a little bit about what he's got going on there. And so if you would, man, stretch out your hand. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray for our brother. Heavenly Father, I'm asking that you would fill my brother with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that he would speak your word with such clarity. Lord, your word is like a sword. And I pray that it would, it would cut through anything, any thought that would try to rise up against you in our own hearts. And Lord God, would you help us to submit to your word? Lord, I pray that he would speak the words you have given him. Lord God, that he would have freedom by the spirit. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You got one right there. Good morning. Good morning, church. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord in this house. I don't know what type of preaching you're used to, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a different type of preacher. Um, but I preach the word. Amen. Amen. My name is Terrell Haygood. I operate in the office of a prophet. Um, not coming in here unless the spirit of the Lord will have me to prophesy. I will prophesy over your life. But we're on assignment this morning just to teach the word of God. Amen. How many of you know that everything is going down except the word? I, I, let me say that again because I ain't got too many people that said everything is going down except the word. The Bible say that the grass may wither, the flower may fade, but it's the word of the Lord that will stand forever. Amen. I don't care what you may be going through in your life. Jesus is still the answer to everything that's going on in your life. I wish I had a witness here that will understand that I don't care where you may be at, how far you may be out there. Jesus can still redeem you. I just want to share a word this morning very briefly. This morning, just talk to y'all uh, from the subject that I think that have been negated in the church. I think something that we have overlooked in the church. But what this thing is all about is love. Can somebody say love? love. This is what the whole church, this is what the whole gospel is built upon. If you got your Bible, let's go to chapter 3. Very classic scripture. I'm quite sure that everyone know a classic scripture by the name John 3 and 16. Classic scripture. Early, when, I was, when I was coming up in the gospel, um, uh, when I was young, I was just telling this, uh, this man here, uh, first of all, I honor this choir. Y'all give y'all give y'all hand, give them a praise for this worship team. And let me say this right here, how you know that the Holy Ghost is active because we got people in here from different cultures. And it don't make no difference where you from. If you tapped into the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost can touch every culture. Uh, you need a scripture? Well, at the, the Bible say on the day of Pentecost, people was there from every native and every language. But the Holy Ghost tapped into that. You know when you got the Holy Ghost is when you can tap into another culture. And the problem with the is that we have not yet tapped in to another culture but I believe that reconcile got the Holy Ghost because reconcile can tap into another culture we honor the man of God will this is y'all pastor why don't you give God a hand praise for him 
and his lovely wife. I haven't met his wife. I met his dad and met his sister. I haven't met his wife. And wherever his wife is, uh, we greet you in the name of Jesus. This is my lovely wife. Let me tell y'all something about my wife. I believe that when God was making her, I was asleep. Y'all ain't catching this. When God was making her, I was asleep. Because the Bible said that when he made Eve, he, took, he made Adam go to a deep sleep. And he pulled out of Adam a rib and made his wife. My life was very destructive. I wasn't fit for her. Me and her was the first birth, boyfriend and girlfriend when we was like 13, 12 years old. And 25 years we were split. And God brought us back together after 25 years. Because I was still yet asleep. But when God come in and the spirit get in you, he quickens you and makes you alive. And then he brought her back to life. Amen. Y'all give God some praise for my lovely wife. I want to talk to you this tonight. It's all about, I want to talk to you this morning. It's all about love. I preach at night. We got a service on Friday nights where I preach. So if y'all hear me reference tonight, that's where I'm at. I'm probably at church. <laughs> So I want to talk to you this morning very briefly. It's all about love. And so we know the scripture, the classic scripture is say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever uh, shall believe in him shall not perish. Amen. But have everlasting life. Uh, the book of John was written around A.D. like 85 or 90 after the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 before uh, uh, John's exile to the Isle of Patmos. You see, I like the re I like the reference John is the revelator because John revealed to us that Jesus is not just a man, but in essence, he is the eternal son of God. God reveals unto Peter who Jesus is, and upon that confession, the foundation of the church was established. Uh, listen here, who reveals unto us the revelation to build upon that foundation. It's John who says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and then the word was God. It's also John that tells us, behold, the Lamb of God, which come and take away the sins of the world. It's also that man, John, who sat there and went through a verbal authentication with Jesus about who need to baptize who. Anybody in here know about this guy named John? But John understood that he was not worthy to even unlatch this man's shoes. He said, I'm not even worthy to do this. Because he understood that John said it was somebody that was coming behind me who was greater than the one that's, that, that's here now. John was the one who was crying in the wilderness, uh, uh, repent. That's a word that we don't like to talk about in church. But let me give you a revelation. Can I give you a revelation about this word, uh, repent? Because we think repent is such a bad thing when repent is not a bad thing. Repent means, watch this here, that when God made you from the beginning, Adam, you had dominion. Somebody say dominion. And dominion means that everything that was in the earth realm, he posed the rule over. But something happened in chapter 3 in Genesis. Listen here now. Something happened in Genesis. What happened? We fell. And now God is telling us to repent. Can I just tell you that what this word mean? Re mean that if I tell you to do a work, uh, Pastor Will, and then you bring it to me, it's not done. Then I tell you to go do it again. That's called rework. 
that means you got to go do the work again. Now, if he's telling you to read something, that means you have to do it one more time. And so when we look at this word pent, we get the word pent from the English word a penthouse. Y'all better catch this in here because you would never see a penthouse on the bottom floor. You catch this. You will never see a penthouse on the bottom floor. A penthouse always up. And what God is trying to tell you is, he said, repent your sins because I'm trying to get you back on top. We've been living beneath our means, church. We got to get back on top. Ain't it funny that God said, I give you dominion over all of the earth? And everything that we see that is made came from the earth. Our young people are ensnared by cause and jury. They are ensnared by some of those things, but they have to understand that if they repent and get their dominion back, that they will rule over a car and a car won't rule over them. Because the car came from the earth. God is telling us we need to get back on top, church. Amen. It was John that said, I must decrease and he must increase. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's your prayer and say, I got to decrease. I, I got too much of me on exhibition. I got too much of me being exhibited in my home, in my life. So much of me is in the picture. And anytime we got me in the picture, we have X God out. What I've learned is, is that me is fueled by our ego. Ego simply means you have etched God out. I need to decrease. But I don't want to talk about John. I want to talk about John, who he was describing. The text said God so loved the world that he gave. And I want to pose a question to you this morning. What's your motivation? Is the dominating factor in your love, in your walk love? Are you doing something just to be doing it or are you doing it out of love? Because it don't matter what we're truly doing, whether we're coming up in worshiping, whether we're preaching, whether we're teaching, if we're not doing it from a foundation of love, Bible said the day shall declare it of what type of work that it is. And whether it's wood, hay, or stubble, or precious gold, or jewels, the day going to declare and see if it's going to stand. D.L. Muti stated that God hates the great things in what love is not the motivating factor. Huh? But he delight in the little things that are prompted by our act of love. It don't matter if it's something that's great that's being done. If it's not prompted by love, God said, I'm rejecting it. But it can be something very minute and small. If it's motivated by love, God receives it. Love, a word often and freely used in marriages. It's used in relationships and homes and communities. In fact, our society points, paint a portrait of love but have excluded God. How can we say we are a nation full of love but we want to etch God out of our nation? How can we say that our marriages are built upon true love when true love only comes 
from God. And see, we often get it, uh, we often get it misconstrued, Tiffany, because I got to reference my wife because I ain't got nobody talking back to me. <laughs> Amen. I know if I'm doing good or bad, she on my side. Amen. So, so, so this, this, this word love, and as we look at love, we have to understand what is love and what is the motivating factor for anything that I do. How can we exclude the very expression of love, the very embodiment of love? Scripture tells me, and I'm quite sure if you're a Bible reader that you'll find this, that the Bible says that God is love. Uh, 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 love is who he is. I mean, it's what he does. And so, therefore, if love is expressed in his goodness, the scripture said we should not love in word or in tongue. But the Bible tells me that we have to love in deed and in truth. Watch this here now, because watch this. It's easy for us to love the ones that love us. The, the, the Bible tells me that even the sinners do that. I'm talking about loving to the point where I'm loving that I am nothing but a, a, a steward over everything that I got. I tell my wife all the time, if we riding down the road and the Holy Ghost pump me to go pick somebody up or turn around to go give him something, I'm doing it because the Holy Ghost prompted me. And if the Holy Ghost prompting you, the Holy Ghost is love. And so love will put me in the place to where everything that I own ain't even mine. You become a steward over what God have entrusted you with. Good stewardship. And I believe that we don't have good stewardship in church because we don't have good love. We have to learn how to love church. The world we living in expresses love, but it's very hypocritical. Uh, uh, it's a hypocritical love. It's imperative to understand that you have the DNA of God. And he is love. And he has miraculously deposited himself in you upon your belief. Watch this here now. He have put himself in you once you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's a deposit that become made in your life. And so, and I know sometimes that when we first starting off in, in our walk that we can't understand, well, how is this in me? How is this love in me? But I, I, I'm reminded of an old commercial. I, I got some old school people out here. And I don't know, but they had a spaghetti sauce back in the days called ragu. <laughs> Somebody talking back to me now. And, and on that commercial, watch this, on that commercial, they were stirring up the sauce and then they'll taste it. And the person who tastes it say, it's in there. And what I want to tell you this morning is that it is in there. The is down on the inside of you and you don't have to try to work it up. You don't have to try to muster this love up. Only thing you got to do is get out the way and let God make his expression in your life. So the question will have to be, when did I get the love of God? And how do I know it's in there? Romans give us the intelligence. He said, hope make it not a shame because the love of God hath been shed abroad in our hearts. Watch this here. The love of God have been shed abroad in our hearts. Isn't it an interesting thing that God put you in certain situations? And many a times we are crying about why we're in the situation. I want you to take inventory and recognize you're in that situation for God can get out of you what he put in you. That's why you're in that situation. But what we do is we'll cry and complain 
and murmur about the situation. God just putting you in an opportunity spot to let you make an expression of him where you at. He want to get that love out of you. Now that we have the love of God in our hearts, the situation is going to rise on every side for God can make a withdrawal. Let me tell you something about God for if you don't know. God is a shrewd businessman. He's shrewd businessman. What do you mean, preacher? He, he, God never makes a deposit if he cannot get a withdrawal. He is looking to get a withdrawal out of your life. And what he does, he creates situations that allow you to get in there. See, you don't like that individual on the job? God orchestrated it. Because he's trying to get you to love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, 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 know, I, I know I'm not the only one on the job that sometimes somebody rubbed me the wrong way. This is a situation for God to make an expression in you. Because watch this here. We're not going to save them by quoting scriptures. We're not going to save them because we can talk eloquently. We're not going to save them because we can even sing. What saves them is the love of God. That even though you keep doing me wrong, but yet something's still rising up on the inside of me that's telling me I still got to love him. Sound like your savior, ain't it? That when he was hung up on Golgotha's cross from the sixth to the ninth hour, what happens? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we have to get that. And if we're not operating out of that, we're not operating in love. Some family members that throw you in the pit, Joseph, God is putting you in the position for you to love them. I know they borrowed something from you and didn't bring you back. God said, love them. I know they talking behind your back soon as you leave from the, from the family reunion. God said, I want you to love them. God creates situations like that. Why? Because he said, watch this here, Pastor Will. We are the salt of the earth. Not them. They're the ones that got the light. We're the light bearers. So it's expected for them to operate in darkness. But God said, I'm letting that darkness be there for you can show up and shine light on it. In love. We got to get love. Let me say this again. God is the expression, the embodiment of love. If a man say that I love God and hate his brother, I didn't say this. He's a liar. I didn't say he's a liar. This is what scripture said. If you say I love God and your heart wrestling with you now about somebody that you don't like, or that you don't even know, you ain't got to know them to love them. God said the love. So I want to show with you that's four types of love. The first one is called a love called Philadelphia love. This is where Philadelphia get this, uh, this about their city called the city of brotherly love. In other words, it's like a sibling love. I love my sister because she came from my mother. That's a brotherly love. That's Philadelphia. Then we have another love called Eros. The Eros love is an erotic love that one would have for his wife or his significant other. Then we also have the Stogos love, which is you love your family. 
Don't have to be a sister or a brother, but the love that God is requiring us to operate in is called agape. Somebody say agape. This is agape love that what I'm going to love you unconditionally. And what I like about this love is that you cannot produce it in and of yourself. You can't produce it. You cannot produce agape love. This is the love that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the love chapter. We got people with so many gifts in the church, but you ain't got love. And Jesus said, if you won't have love, you're like a tinkling cymbal or sounding brass. Even if you give everything in the community and serve and feed the community, if you're doing it without love, you have nothing. And so God is calling us a little bit higher, church, to operate in a love that we can operate in ourselves. Some of us in here have failed in our love department. Say amen. Because I'm going to say amen. I have failed. But what I like about the love of God is that even when I fail, he still is there. Even when I don't get it right, God is still there prompting me and telling me to rail, I still love you. Get back in the race. We're not going to reach the world. We're not going to reach the world unless we operate in love. It's the goodness of God that will lead people to repentance. If we want to see somebody get saved, keep being good to them. If you want to see somebody come, come to Jesus, keep on loving on them. If you want to see somebody come out of that mire clay and get their feet established on a rock, keep loving them. We got to operate in love, church. It's very important we understand love. It's very important. We can't operate in faith without love. Because scripture tells us that faith worketh by love. So if I don't got love, I don't even have faith. Let me show you three points if I can get out your way. Turn with me to John 14 and 13. John 14. 13. John 14 and 13 and say, and whatsoever you ask in my name, I would do it that the Father would be glorified. Whatsoever you ask in his name, he would do it for you that the Father we be glorified. This is the power of our God. And why am I quoting this scripture? I'm quoting this scripture because we're dealing with a dying world. And what God wants you to do is he wants us to get out of the way and stop being so self-seeking and self-centered and want us to ask for him to step into this dying world, step into the injustices of this nation, step into the racism that is going on in this country and say, God, we need you to step up in a way that only love can change. He's not asking for us to build no more churches, church. That's a building. He's asking us to be a church. This is the power of our God. Watch this here. Here's the prophetic of our God. 1 John 3.16, the prophetic. He laid down his life for us. And if he laid down his life for us, we should also lay our life down for who? For our brothers. 
Anybody this morning ready to lay their life down for, for, for their brother? Anybody ready to lay their life down for their brother? Glad you said yes. Reach Greenville. I represent Reach Greenville. Pastor Will, can I be very transparent? I've been in, that, in and out of jail all my life. Since the age of nine. Went into a juvenile detention center five times. Last time, be two to five months. You do five if, you be, if you're out of control and you get out. I stayed a year. Out of, in and out of adult jail all my life. In the totality, I've did 16 years and eight months of my life in prison. But we don't let God, we don't dictate what our Damascus road may be. I don't know where you, your Damascus road is, but God will knock you off your high horse wherever he want to knock you off your high horse. And he knocked me off my high horse. But what I'm going to share this with you all, I believe that we go through certain stuff. It's not for ourselves. Shot twice, shot in the arm, main order was ripped, got shot in the back, bullet still on my spine. I told the guy, you don't know who I am. You got to kill me. He said, your wish is my command. Put the gun to my head. The gun jammed. He unjammed it and put it to my head again. The gun jammed because that's purpose. What pose to take you out don't take you out when you got purpose. From that moment, I started toting the gun. They kicked my dough in in 2005. Robbed me, shot my girlfriend in the shoulder, the back of the head, blowed her nose off. Purpose, I wasn't there. Later in that 2005, I was sentenced to 210 months federal prison time. Max out 2025. Something, <laughs> something happened, didn't it? <laughs> Max out date was 2025, church. Didn't have no way out. I'll wrap this up very quickly. 2008, I have an encounter with Jesus. Amen. Got out on my knees and said, God, I don't want to get out of jail, but I want you to take the prisoner out of me. Tired of being a slave to myself. And God came in and, and, and cleaned me up. Made it home in 2015. Didn't know how I was going to get out. Met somebody. He filled some paperwork out. God miraculously delivered me out of prison after I did a decade. I was gone for 10 years. Everybody left me. But God told me, I'm going to treat you like a schoolhouse floor. Does anybody know about a schoolhouse? Next time you go to school, young man, look how clean and shiny that flow is. But we'll see that flow, but we don't know the flow went through a process. And the first process he got to go through, he got to strip you. We got to script that flow down. And God had to strip me of everything that I knew, everything that I had. He had to strip me. And after he stripped me, then he had to apply the wax. And you still didn't have no shine on you. Because then he had to bring in the buffer and buff you out. And that buffing process don't feel good. Some of us in the buffing process right now, it don't feel good. People are roughing up on you. But it's only working to make you get to that stage where God going to let you shine. And then it started to shine in my life. If that wasn't enough, God said, after you start to shine, then I want, I want you to let people walk all over you. 
because that's what I did. I let people walk all over me just to get somebody saved. Got out every door, got shut in my face, I passed. I'm talking about from churches. When we specializing in dealing with people's past and recycling them and getting them back to where God wants them to be at, making all things new. But I ran across somebody one day, started a life coaching business, went down to Texas, then a life coach because I couldn't get no job in the field. But I met this guy, I met this, uh, I know this lady and she gave my, she gave my name to someone. And when she gave my name to him, she said, uh, I think he'll be very good for y'all. And y'all can just maybe can utilize him. And when I went in for the interview, I was like, oh, they just going to gonna do me like all the rest of them do. I shared my story, and they was like, woo. Called me back and said, you the right man that we need. We don't need nobody that ain't been through nothing. We need some folk that's going to be transparent, that's been through it. In fact, that's been through hell because if we're going to model Jesus, he went to hell before he ascended to heaven. And so there's a program called Reach, Reach Greenville. Pastor Will was just telling you about it. Where we go back into the detention center and talk to the young men. Two components of this program. First component is activity. Go in there. Because I don't believe that you can change nobody if you don't build a rapport with them. If you don't build a relationship with them. And just going in there giving them a spiel. A lot of times the ball have been dropped with those young men because you're just coming in, give them your spiel, and you leave back out. And they be like, you don't know my life. Sport big activities, we feed them twice a week. Take food into the detention center. Build with them. Second component is called flipping the script. How many of y'all that you had your story y'all wrote out for your life? Come on in here. And God stepped in and flipped the script, didn't he? You thought your life was going to go that way, but he flipped the script on you. And I believe that's what's going on with these young people, that they need to have an encounter with God that they can flip their script. Come on, all of us have lived in a lie. Hmm? I lied to myself for years that I was a drug dealer. It was a lie. Some of us are living in lies, but God had to flip the script. And he flipped the script on my life. Now I'm at liberty to go in there and flip the script on them young people by the love of God. It's going to take the love of God. This is why Pastor Will wanted me to come in here and speak. And I was kind of nervous because I really don't preach that easy. I just tried to get through because I'm not used to this kind of audience. But it's okay. I, I work through it. But here's the, here's the main mission of why I'm here. The main mission is we're looking for some people that want to go in and mentor them people. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you, raise your hand. Anybody? See, that's what I told you about the love of God. That's why I pre preach that. Because you ain't going to be able to go in unless you got love. That's why I talked about egos. It's about me. What am I going to get out of it? You don't get nothing. It's just a commission that God commissioned you to go in and, and speak to the young people. And what it does is for us as believers, it's a deeper level of discipleship. It's, it, it, you, you think that we're going in there trying to do something to them. Guess what? They're going to do something to us. They disciple us. So we're looking for some people that mentor them, that are going to the detention center. Tell them your story and how you had an encounter with Jesus and how he flipped the script on your life. Not only that, we're looking for some people that will walk with them when they come out. If that's you, raise your hand. Anybody would like to walk with them when they come out and show them and exemplify authority 
We're dealing with young kids that come from broken homes that never seen a father and a mother operate up under the same roof. They need to see somebody model that. We're dealing with some people that have been abused. Hmm? Come on. And they need somebody to love on them. We're dealing with kids that don't even know what love is. Not only that, we're looking for some people to get with a meal train. If you like to cook. And say, you know what, I like to cook. I don't want to go in the detention center. I got too much on my plate um, to walk with them when they come out. But I would love to get on the meal train and, and set up for some meals to where we can send them in to the young people. But I think this is the most powerful thing that we need. We need some prayer partners. Because all that stuff is nothing but prayer. I think that's the most preeminent thing that we can ask for. Can we just get some people that will pray for us? that'll lift us up, that remember us when you up in, in worship and Pastor Will are praying and when he passed the, the prayer around the room, somebody will lift up Reach Greenville. I don't know where your heart may be at. I don't know. Or, or you may just want to be an advocate for us. Tell somebody about this ministry. Tell somebody about, hey, man, they got a ministry. They're going back into the, into the detention center. They're building up these young people. Our job is to catch them before they get trapped off at 16 and a half years of their life will be behind walls. I don't know where you may be at and what you want to do with that. But as we pray, I pray that God will speak to your heart very intentionally. And as he speak to your heart, that you will yield, that you will yield unto the call and say that I want to do something. I want to make a difference in these young people's lives. Can we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that we can't do nothing unless it's in love, God. We thank you, Lord God, that you did it and you demonstrated love for us, that when you hung on that cross for us, Lord God, and that you shed your blood for us, that we can be reconciled, that we can be renewed, that we can be redeemed. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the opportunity to minister your word to these here, your people. I pray, Lord God, that this word fell on good ground. And that it will produce fruit, Lord God. Not 30, not 60, but 100 fold. I also pray, Lord God, that you will start to deal with the hearts. Deal with the hearts, Lord God. Find out how they can be involved. This may not be the scope of the involvement that they may want to be in. But God, you have flipped the script every time in our life. When we want to do something, but God, you say, no, we're going this way. God, I pray that you will speak to them. Speak to them in the capacity of letting them know what it is that they're supposed to operate in if they're supposed to operate in this ministry. Father, we pray for Pastor Will that you will continue to undergird him, even as he take on the task of uh, uh, connecting with another church. God, I pray that you will give him the strength for the journey that he's about to make. And we pray, Lord God, that your name will be glorified in everything. In Jesus' name. Let the church say amen.